Welcome to Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wee and Kelly McVeigh. So Aaron King, um, he is in the Columbus area, but travels often. And he is a yoga master for sure, but also a life coach. And I think can really dive into people's heads and help push them to do all things. So I um, was did life coaching with him probably a few years ago, and I just learned so much from the experience about myself, about goals, about how to get from one thing to the next. And I am so excited for all of you to hear from him today, but also he's deep. So a lot of it might um, be something you have to think about for a minute, or hopefully it just jumps you to thinking, you know, thinking about something in your life, but definitely deep and, um, how we, how I got to know Aaron is through yoga. Yeah. So, um, when we recorded the interview, that's exactly what I thought, basically such a deep thinker. And then also I felt like I was taken to church, (laughs) right? You know, it's very, um, I don't know, spiritual from a religious standpoint, but man, I, you know, I go to like hot yoga where they tell you to do sit-ups. So I don't actually have, I haven't had a yoga practice where it's more like his, but you had gone to his classes. Tell me what his classes are like when you walk in the door. So I have to say that you saying that it feels like church. When I first started going, my friend Rachel and I started kind of just diving into yoga. And then we, she actually went to his class a few times before she dragged me along and it was on Sunday mornings. And because he gets you on your mat and he just talks really about presence so much. um, I have to say at the very beginning of class, he walks around to every single person and asks what their intention for class today and says is what's going on in your body. Oh, that's nice. That's great. So he kind of wants to know, I had at the time a really big like shoulder thing going on, which is why Rachel started dragging me to hot yoga. And we really just sat at the beginning. I also am someone who, as Carrie knows, working with me has a lot going on all the time. And I'm always firing on. No, not you. I don't know what you're talking about. It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And so for me to clear my mind, or to be someone who meditates or just is present in a moment is tricky. And so I felt like he was really, really good about taking us all to our breath, being centered, putting our mind in a certain space at a certain moment, but also recognizing everyone in the class for why they were there. And he would incorporate what he was saying during class on what everyone kind of, what their intention was. Um, And you just knew, he's like, you know, I know we have some shoulder things going on out there. So we're going to do this next. Um, And it, it wasn't fast paced. You know, there's some yoga classes that I've taken that are faster, but it was obviously 101 degrees. So I was always left drenched and sweating. It's like an hour and a half class or hour and 15 minutes. And the last 10 or 15 minutes is really him opening the doors. You hear the birds chirping outside a lot of times. 
and full circle coming around. And I always left there feeling centered, feeling more spiritual overall, not from like a religious standpoint, but more just centered. And so it's kind of why Rachel and I, it was kind of like a practice for a while. Rachel and I went every Sunday and I always just left so centered. Now at the time, I feel like I had a lot going on with transitioning from being married to not being married. And so not only were there, was there busyness in my head from a work perspective and kids perspective, but I just had a lot. And I think, you know, that's why I reached out and said, I always leave your class so centered. You always put me in such a great headspace. You know, I'd love to know more about what you do from a coaching perspective. And that's how I got to know. That's how I got to know Aaron. That's amazing. And I think the fact that he asks one by one, what is your intention? How's your body feel? That question gets asked in almost every yoga class I've been in, but it's asked kind of generically and it doesn't have the same pow because when somebody actually asks you and asks you to answer, it really brings more accountability to it. Like you actually have to put thoughts into the words that he's also, and then into your practice. So like he's eye contact it's, um, and he was like, so even in the life coaching thing, he definitely, I don't have a ton of people that hold me accountable in life. Obviously I have from a work perspective, but I don't have that. I probably do more so now. Like I have a, you know, Jeff and I have a really great relationship. So we have this like partnership and it's definitely holding each other accountable in a partnership kind of way, but I haven't had that for a really, really long time. And so even when we were doing the coaching, there were certain activities that I had to do before I came to the next coaching. And I remember not coming with all of my things done at one point. And I said, well, it's super busy. My life's really crazy right now. It's dance recital time or whatever was going on. And he said, this is a waste of your money and a waste of my time. You're not taking it seriously. So you should just go ahead and go home. (laughs) And I was just like, what, 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 what do you mean? Well, people who have businesses usually don't say that. Yeah, it was so serious. And I felt so bad. And he's like, from what I've known from you, March was busy. April is busy. May is super busy. And I bet June's going to be busy as well. So if this is a priority for you and you're spending money on this, then you need to complete the things that you said you were going to complete. And if not, you showed up today. It's, it's not a good use of your time. It's not a good use of my time because you didn't complete the things you were supposed to complete from last week. Anyway, man, that's awesome. And you know, sorry, I just jumped in. I, I feel like as a, as a teacher and a coach, when I say that, I feel, I feel like I need to say that a lot. I need to say, don't waste your time. But really what I want to say is don't waste my time. Right. Like if you're not going to come to class and show up and do all the things and communicate about it and try to get better. Don't waste my time. And of course, in today's society, in today's business world, if you're working at a business, that is not acceptable because it's all about customer service. So I have to say, I've said this a couple of times in ballet class before, 
But I think when I say things that are harsh or hold someone accountable, they come off in such a sweet, loving way that it doesn't even feel like I'm saying what I'm saying, which is probably not good because it's not direct enough. But I have said, and it was more from a coaching um, competitive perspective. I also wonder if you, because I think that you coach, and I don't know this, but you coaching as an aerialist, it's more like one-on-one clients and you want to keep each client where if I- Oh no, we're in group classes, Kelly. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I think I've said in ballet before, I don't, this is not how I make my living. This is because I love it. The reason that I'm in this room right now is because I love ballet and I love all of you and I don't need to be here. I do it because I love it. And I don't want you to come. If you don't want to be here or you don't see the value in it, then you shouldn't come. <laughs> and listen, I, I mean, I think it's still direct, even though you're being sweet about it. I, I mean, if I were a kid in your class, I'd be like, Oh yeah. Obviously there's probably a lot of them that are like, um, I, I have to take ballet. Like it's not a choice. <laughs> like I don't want to be here right now, but it's kind of like, I do think I obviously do a lot of things in life and I show up in that space because I just love it so much. And so I feel like when I'm there, you know, I could be at home making dinner for my kids or I could be, you know, there's a million, obviously there's always a million places we could be, but I'm choosing to be here with you and I'm giving you everything I have right now. And so if you have a bad attitude and you don't want to be here, then you shouldn't have come in. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like in one way it's kind of, you know, we're all moms and we're like, okay, that's a high, that's a high bar right there to set. And I know he's, he's a father too. It's a high bar to set from a general standpoint. It's true for anything that we do. If you're going to make an appointment to do something and to be present when you're there, you should be present when you're there or else not go. Yeah, I guess maybe I even got that from Aaron, where in general, because I do, and listen, you yourself called me out, Carrie, saying like, I, you can't type when you're when you're doing (laughs) when you're recording like that's not okay and so I in general need to learn to be um more present in the space that I'm in always because I think you know even like when I go to watch my kids play soccer like I just have a hard time focusing in general so I will sometimes catch myself sending an email or answering it and it's like no right now my job is to be watching the soccer game and be all in, or I might as well not be here because they, they see me sitting here. They know if I'm in or not. And so I think if you do choose to do multiple things, you have to find the space, the time to be present. But he was so hardcore. I think when I left there, I was a little scared of him. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I wanted to do the right thing. I, I want to do the right things always. And so it was no, just because like, it's true as an adult, there's not a lot of people that keep you accountable in that way who aren't maybe your partner or your parents, or your sisters or brothers, you know, family possibly, but not a lot of, not a lot of my yoga teachers are so invested in my practice 
that they would even care to do that. I'm really invested in my students. Like I have some really like regular long time aerial students where I've been training them for two years, seven years. And for those people, I don't say it often, but if it, if it was one of those days, I would very comfortably say, don't waste my time bring your best or don't come at all because I'm invested. And that's the thing about Aaron. Like when I was listening, cause I didn't know Aaron at all before this call, this interview. And I was listening. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I don't even know if I can relate to this guy because he's so all in. He's so, he's so all in. There's no wiggle room around his, his, um, his method. And you know, in a way it makes me a little bit uncomfortable, but at the same time, um, there's something to learn about his way of doing things. And I think that's, you know, great for a podcast where we're learning from different voices and different ways to live and different ways to commit an intent intention to your life. I mean, it's a lesson in like really committing. That's I for sure. I think that he would say that he likes everyone to be uncomfortable always. That if you're uncomfortable, that means you're learning, growing, changing, and he wants everyone to always be uncomfortable. And so I think that that's, he likes to, I, I mean, I've had obviously lots of conversations with him, but he is a deep thinker in general and he is so structured and regimented in life. I mean, he's definitely a vegetarian. He definitely thinks of working out, you know, he meditates daily. I, when I went to one of his yoga classes, I haven't, I haven't been practicing yoga. Um, well, since the pandemic, I mean, pandemic changed a lot of things, but I wasn't someone who practiced on my own. And there's a couple studios that I love around here. And so I haven't been to Aaron's class for a really long time. But the last time I went to Aaron's class, his son was in class with him. And I bet his son is seven or eight. And the class was an hour and a half long. And his son sat in the front, completely sitting up, perfect posture, legs crossed, hands in his lap, and watched the entire class, like, sitting up completely straight. And it was a hot yoga class, so it was hot in there. And Aaron asked some questions. Like, when we got there, Aaron was asking his – he had a book, an anatomy book, and was going through muscles and – so he asked his son a couple questions. Like he said, so-and-so's intention is that the back of their leg is really hurting today. And what muscle would that, and his son was like naming off all the muscles. And, oh my God, that's impressive. And anyway, just, just the fact that this kid is sitting there straight up. And I feel like at one point he kind of slouched and Aaron just like looked over at him and he sat perked, perked right up. <laughs> anyway, that is who he is in life. And I am not saying... I obviously could never be that. He also was in the military. Well, so, that's what I was going to say. You know who he reminds me of? is my brother. Yes. My brother is a nine-year Navy man, and his, oh my God, when I was going through the hardest stuff where I was getting divorced and freezing my eggs, he actually came to visit me for Thanksgiving and was there for, like, he picked me up. He was there while, you know, they put me under and they took the eggs out. And I was just so upset and anxious, upset that I was even doing this because my, my marriage was over. And my brother was like, don't let those thoughts invade you. Don't do it. Like, he was exactly the same, actually. Maybe right. that comes from military training of, like, um, 
you know, when I asked my brother about, you know, anxiety, he's just like, what anxiety? Put it out of your mind. I'm like, easier said than done. And he's like, well, you just got to do it. There's, there's no way around it. I was like, well, I'm not sure that's what my therapist says. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's how he, that's how he balances everything he deals with. And he's going through a lot right now. My brother is actually, and I'll bring him on the pod at some point when he's ready to open up about some stuff going on in his life. But he's going through some really tough challenges right now. And I can tell that that military training slash Zen, you know, mindfulness is really centering him because he, he's doing quite well through it all. So I wanted to talk about yoga. I just want to make sure that our listeners out there, because you could be from anywhere in the world. You could be from somewhere like where we grew up, where there's hardly any yoga studios, or you could be from New York city where there's one at every corner if you don't have a yoga practice yet and you kind of don't know what it is and you're maybe intimidated by it because people talk about it and you don't really know what it is, it's literally you go to a studio, you put your mat down. If you want to, depending on who you're taking from, most studios, they'll give you like guidelines. But for the most part, you could just be on your mat laying on your back and be in your own head for an hour. Yes. You could be in a child's pose, which is just um, on your knees with your chest kind of on the floor with your head on the mat. You could be in that position for an entire hour. And that's also yoga. Yeah. The, you know, what's interesting. There's so many different forms because I've done Bikram. So many different. I've done Bikram for a few different times. And I have obviously done hot yoga and regular yoga. Like, I don't want to say regular yoga. I don't know if there's. But I feel like it's just a series of poses. I think that's like vinyasa flow. Like vinyasa, vinyasa flow, flow is. Oh, yes. And I do think, you know, one of the things that I thought I, I learned, and I think to be a professional dancer, you already know this, but I have never been good at breath while dancing, finding those moments to really breathe uh, and really incorporating it while you're doing a full-blown dance. I didn't have that when I grew up, I think you probably do in general, Carrie, but I feel like I do now, but because it wasn't really, I mean, it was the eighties for God's sakes. No one talked about these things. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure I held my breath or didn't breathe. We just weren't really taught to, for the breath to be a part of it, I guess. Right. So attaching breath to movement at the same time, while talking about being centered and clearing your head, all of the, it's like patting your head and rubbing your stomach for me. So I think even though I'm super flexible, it's different because everything's kind of turned in and more parallel, I think. But yeah, even at the Broadway Dance Center, when I've taken like a full day of classes, there's like always an afternoon yoga class or a super late, late night yoga class. And sometimes people are just in there like laying on their mat the whole time because their body's exhausted. They came in there for the stretch. They came in for the Zen quiet moment, you know, on their mat. And so some people do those things and some people just lay on their mat. Yeah. The thing is with yoga is that you don't have to be quote unquote good at anything. It's not about anybody, but you completely. It's just about carving out time, carving out space in your day, 
to either stretch your body, put load on your body by doing planks and chaturangas. Chaturanga is when you kind of do a half push up into like an archy position with your back um, to stretch your entire body out or to just breathe. I have definitely laid on my back the entire class with a towel on my head and cried for an hour. For sure. I have definitely, I have 100% done that. Music is blaring in the class that I like to take. I'd like to take a hot yoga class, loud music. It's not a very Zen class, but I feel Zen inside of it. And let me tell you, one of the things I miss so much about the pandemic is that hot yoga is like the last place you're going to go after COVID. Right. I'm the last. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they're starting to open up. I think that to the, the hot, like, I think it's always kind of like overcoming that heat and the, your muscles get so relaxed. Like I love dancing in a hot room because it's your muscles just relax so much and get all warm and move. Um, but I, I totally agree that, and there's all different, I mean, I've taken yoga classes with pounding crazy music and I've played, I've been in classes that are completely silent. So definitely, but I would love for everyone that listens today to take, find a yoga class here in the next six months when you feel comfortable in your space and, um, you know, see what you love about it. It's just so centering to me. I, I love Pilates too, but that's not the purpose of Pilates. The Pilates purpose is to balance your body. Right. It is not as much, it is a mind body workout, meaning you have to concentrate to use the right muscles and to use, to turn on certain things and relax other things, but it's not necessarily a meditation practice. It's not necessarily for your soul. It's not necessarily to center and Zen yourself so that you can go back to your family and be present and, you know, available to them. Right. You know, it's, 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 it's a wonderful, yoga is a wonderful thing mentally, physically, spiritually. And I feel like Aaron, Bean, oh, she wanted to say hi. Hi, Bean. Say hi, Bean. I feel like Aaron as, as kind of like hardcore as he is, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, it's really great to listen to him because it kind of puts you in a place where you're like, okay, this isn't something that I'm, I'm going to just like do half, half ass. Right. Like you're either going yeah. all in. And I think when someone, and I think this a lot, I think this a lot about Jeff too. When someone is so structured and all in on all things, even if you're you know, pushing, you might not be at their 150%, but you might be at your 90%, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, Aaron might rub off on you a little bit. Maybe he'll rub off on all of us and we won't be where he is at his level when it comes to his mindset, but maybe just borrowing, maybe just borrowing some of that mindset is enough. Yes. All right. Well, welcome Greener Grass listeners. And I am really, really excited today to have Aaron King. I think I met Aaron and Aaron, you can jump in and tell me if I'm wrong a few years ago, maybe three or four years ago, um, taking his yoga class. And it was a yoga class on Sunday mornings. And I went with my good friend, Rachel, and we always felt um, like we were leaving this space in a super spiritual, um, just you know, one with ourselves and very balanced. And so it was just the perfect way to, you know, start a Sunday morning and go through the week. 
Um, but then I worked with Aaron Moore as a life business um, coach, and I learned so much about myself, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm so excited to bring Aaron to all of you today. And I want to start off, Aaron, by you just sharing a little bit about your story, because I think your life and your story are just um, inspirational and what led you really to your practicing yoga and meditation. Okay. Um, well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot, right? I know. Lot, I'm, I'm always a lot, Aaron. <laughs> All right. Um, I grew up in a, a conservative Christian home. Um, I joined the military shortly after. And I think that's when life really started to change. If you're talking about some of the impactful moments of my life, I got into quite um, a snafu in the military and uh, ended up um, being discharged and spending some time in prison. So a lot of people um, that know me can relate to the resilience I've built from being able to be in some very difficult situations. There, I built a corporate career. I bounced back from that. It was in my late teens. Uh, and I got married and I climbed the corporate ladder and I reached this point of emptiness, of unfulfillment from doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to do. And throughout my entire life, there's been this quiet thread of some depression and what we now call ideation, suicidal ideation. And at this point in my late corporate career and in my marriage, I, I felt plagued by those things. And um, especially by this feeling that I wasn't doing anything that was really, truly worthwhile, or that really felt like it was what my destiny was. You know, I felt the, the rigmarole, the rat race, and I wanted something different. I wanted out of it. And originally, the first out that I wanted was the repetitive nature of my past, which was you know, suicide, to be honest. And um, it was when I thought I was at my wit's end that I found meditation. Meditation really changed my life. Meditation led to yoga. A lot of people don't know, but I learned meditation for a few years. I practiced meditation for a, years, a few years before I started to practice yoga. And I ran into yoga via P90X, just wanting to get myself back in shape after uh, a couple of years of being out of the service. And I found that yoga was a perfect complement to meditation. And I felt almost immediately after I started like it was part of my destiny. Like I was born to be a part of this, to teach this, to offer this, to dive in. And there started my journey into teaching yoga and meditation and eventually uh, building my own business, the Dharma House, and doing what I do today. I always feel like I never am um, stumped on my next question, but there's just so much there in your life. So when you think about your journey and what led you to yoga and meditation and I want to say the bumps that happened. Do you regret anything that happened before? Or do you feel like all of that was process was supposed to happen to get you to where you are right now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> right? Both, really. I mean, there are periods, there have been periods in my life where I really regretted some of the things that uh, I did, or not necessarily that I did, but the path that I went down or the the outcomes of some of the choices. 
I'm never really mad at myself for attempting to discover, explore life, but there's some of the choices. There are some points where I said, I don't know if this was the right thing or the wrong thing. And that ebb and flows every once in a while in life, but generally I'm, I'm cool with my path. I think that I, everything that I have been has made everything that I am, if you will. So as a yoga teacher, I mean, I definitely, I said that I always left her class feeling this like spiritual um, oneness, very balanced. Did you always intend to be that type of yoga teacher? Because I've taken other yoga classes and I never feel the way I do when I leave your class. I just feel um, so at peace. Do you, do you think that's the combination of your practice with meditation and yoga? Or is that just how you bring it to people? Yoga is meditation. There are eight limbs to the yogic practice, right? So the first two limbs of the practice really talk about how you treat yourself and how you treat the world around you. The third limb finally gets into what you're doing with your body, the postures. And it, gets because, it becomes more subtle from there. So then it talks about breath, and it talks about attention, and it talks about concentration, and then it talks about meditation. So if you understand the practice, it goes from your relationship with the whole world, we kind of stop it where it talks about your relationship with your body, with your postures and your movement, but it progresses into meditation naturally. That really is the practice. It's a moving meditation. So shifting from, I mean, you mentioned that you were in the rat race, the corporate world, um, doing, you know, what I guess kind of America pushes you to do and be. Do you feel like now with how far you've come with meditation and yoga and just you're just always, you always feel so still to me and nothing ruffles. You're always, you're the most present person that I've ever met. Do you feel like you could take what you've learned and be in a corporate setting and be able to thrive because you have that practice now? Or do you think that it's not possible? I work a lot in corporate environments. I just do it on my terms now. Um, I, as a business owner, as a consultant, I get to choose how I interact with the organizations um, and I get to make it a win-win relationship, which is probably the most important part for me and the only disparity I had in the traditional path of finding a job, hoping that somebody gives you a job, taking what they offer you and being stuck in this box of this role or this job title. Now I get to do what I love. And I get to offer that at uh, what I think is commensurate for me. And it's a, it's a different relationship. So I still have a relationship with corporate work quite a bit, but I don't fit in the rat race, primarily because I set my own hours, I make my own money, I have an unlimited potential. Um, I don't have the general co construction of a normal job. Right. Do you feel like, the constant, so we all know that we always have constant noise in our head, the constant conversations. And I think, you know, when I started meditating with you, I learned a lot on how to push all that noise aside and focus and breathe. I feel like breath is so important to everything that you talk about and do. Um, what's one tip for a listener out there that hasn't practiced any of this to kind of start that journey on? clearing their mind, and focusing on breath. The beauty of using the breath is that the breath is always real time. You can't give me your last breath. You can't give me your next breath, nor can you experience that. You can experience the breath as it flows in your body right now. So we have a natural mechanism 
that keeps us connected to the present moment. I love you explaining it that way. I feel like I every time I talk to you, I learn something new or I think of something completely different differently. Um, it is so true that that's the most present thing about us is our breath. If you don't concentrate on breathing, the autonomic function of the breath continues whether you want to breathe or not. Even if you stop yourself from breathing, you choke yourself until you pass out. As soon as you fall, your body will resume breathing. So your body has its own intelligence built into the breath. And and in the more esoteric or spiritual perspective, the yogic practice says that that thing that you call breath, that's moving in your body is kind of like this it's called prana in the practice, this, this wave, this energy and intelligence of life that kind of moves in a wave-like pattern through you. Recognizing your breath or bring attention to your breath brings your attention to some of the most important and pivotal parts of your body. Right now, I'm talking more specifically about the nervous system. Right? If you've seen a kid um, fall off a bike or, you know, have an accident outside. When they come back to you, they have that really choppy kind of breath style, which indicates that their nerves are frazzled. And generally, if they go to grandma, she'll say, hey, honey, take a deep breath. Now I'm lying, but the breath and the nerves are inextricably linked. So when you're in tune with your breath, you're in tune with a much greater part, a much deeper level of working in your body. So do you think that breath is the most important piece to everything we're talking about? Presence, uh, meditation, clearing the mind. Is breath the key component? Breath is the most useful tool that I have, but I wouldn't say it's the, it's the key component. Imagine that you're watching TV. When you're watching TV, you don't necessarily feel moved or impacted by what's on the screen. Sometimes you do. Maybe you do a little bit, right? But you know what's on the screen's on the screen, especially if it's uh, fiction. If you're watching a movie, a movie's a movie. What's great about that is you know the difference between you and what you're paying attention to, which is what's happening on the screen. Well, our lives are very much the same way. In our lives, we compare that or we parallel, parallel that to um, being able to watch and notice, or as you hear very popularly these days, become aware of what's happening on the screen of our lives. You are the awareness. You are the attention that you give to these things. This is the primary part of who we are. It doesn't mean that we're not our bodies and we're not our circumstances. Certainly we have to live in this world, but the root part of you, the most intelligent, the most calm, the most peaceful, is a part of you that is watching all of it happen. The part of you that is noticing, we call it the noticer, or awareness, and from that level, nothing can happen to that part of you. That part of you is observing everything that's happening. I'm observing my breath. I'm not my breath. I'm not just my body. I'm an observation of my body. I'm an observation of my thoughts. And the breath being something that's physical and non-physical helps us to remember that we too are physical and non-physical. One of the things that I really learned a lot about was, you know, being out of your comfort zone, breaking the circle. I talk a lot, you know, even with good friends, when I see them doing the same habits or the same mistakes, even if it's a year later, it's the same pattern over and over again in a circle. 
um, getting out of your comfort zone and just doing new things and breaking habits were such an important part of, you know, learning about myself and, and the life I wanted to lead. Did you come about that yourself when you were learning about yourself and your journey as you moved from mistakes of the past to get here? Or where did that come from? I had, I had the father. I had that father that prepared me for the military. And then I had the military. And both of these, uh, both of these institutions, that of my dad and that of the military, are both uh, all about finding your edge. You know, the Marine Corps in boot camp especially is about pushing you further than you think you can go over and over and over and over and over. Moving outside of your comfort zone helps you to discover the walls of your ego, if you will, because we live in it. When we step outside of our comfort zone, when you are uncomfortable, when you are working outside of what you know, then you're growing. So I love, you know it, I love to push people outside of their comfort zones because this is outside of what you already know. You are aware, you are so aware and so present. Do you still feel that you can fall into the same trap that everyone else does of um, the walls of the ego and habits, or do you feel like you have broken through that? Kelly, I am a master. No, I'm kidding. Listen, and truly, I believe that you can live your life without stress. I generally do that. I don't have much stress in life, no matter what the situation you, you've talked about that. Just what I, with me and with a lot of the students that work with me call steady. You know, we're always steady. We're not up, we're not down. We're kind of watching the interplay of life. We're watching the ebbs and flows of our feelings, of our emotions, of our circumstances. And no matter what happens, we're okay with that. I'm okay with that. So it, it doesn't mean that I don't experience the ebbs and flows of life. I, I just readily accept them and have open arms. You know, I really, I really wanted to jump in, but I was trying to choreograph my jumping in with her having every single one of the toys that makes noise on. <laughs> like okay. every single one of them. And I turned the one that I have in, on my hand off and she, she was not happy. So, <laughs> I think it's okay to have her in the background. You know, you know what? She's she, she is generally, but I don't like it to overtake everything. But I wanted to jump in because... Um, okay. So you guys both actively live in Ohio. I live in LA and, um, I love LA. Aaron, I've never met you, but Kelly tells me that you're a, that you're a black man from Columbus. Is that correct? I'm a black man from Miami, Florida, but I live in Columbus. Live sure. In Columbus. Um, so there's a lot of collective stress this week because of what's been going on in the news. The gladly didn't get worse this week, but I kind of feel like what you're talking about is just, it might seem like a really long stretch to get from where they are to, to where you are, because you seem, you seem like you're so enlightened and at peace. And I know you said you're not, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is with the heightened collective stress that we're all trying to manage and trying to wrap our heads around what's going on in this world how how do you how do you um deal with a week like this I, i'm not sure how what your emotions are about this week but yeah i'm not stressed that's for sure so most people that are stressed out the collective stress is because i think of collective beliefs and again my class is permanent stress relief shameless plug right what is stress stress is defined as 
resistance, demand, right? So like the demand something places on something else is a stress or the resistance something feels in relationship to something else is stress. And I don't have any of those things. I'm not demanding that life give me anything besides what it is. I'm not resisting anything that life is showing me. So Aaron, so I, and I'm going to kind of like bridge between the two of you. So I think knowing you with, you know, Carrie, um, I feel like she's living in LA and, and I think just so you know, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous. I'll send you a picture of her. Well, I think you Kelly. Um, Asian American. She's married to Asa who is black. I feel like there's been a lot of political things that I feel like I've just watched Carrie from afar. Um, I think it was super emotional for her. And I feel like she still has this anger portion. I think I can say that, Carrie. I don't think that that's saying anything negatively about you, but I feel like. Oh, no. Yeah. And I don't, I don't walk around with, with a grand sense of anger. I'm generally, I would almost say I'm, I'm, I'm angry in a, in a, I don't know if there's a good way to be angry, but it just makes me um, inspired to create change. So knowing that about you, Aaron, I'm thinking that you would go through, you know, the last year of election, pandemic, um, you know, all of this unrest. And I think that you would, it wouldn't not, I don't want to say not phase you, but you would just stay centered in who you are and, and what you can control. In relationship to what's happening more specifically, maybe I can give you a tool that cuts through the madness. I'll say a couple of things. Martin Luther King said very early on, um, hate can't stop hate. Only love can do that. Right. So um, Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa would never attend a, a war rally or even an anti-war rally. She'd attend a peace rally, but not an anti-war rally. What's the difference between those two? Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa are saying the same thing. Essentially, focus on what you want to create. One cannot benefit others when confused or disturbed one's self. Listen, work on yourself. Work on you. When Once you have cleared yourself of your obscurations, once you're clear, once you've learned how to live in peace in all situations and you know how to be kind, or at least productive, then you can start to work with other people. But the best thing you can do is work on you. And it's one of the philosophies that I use as I um, navigate our current circumstances. Let me tell you something, as a black male, I'm 6'4", I'm 230 pounds, I'm very muscular. I, I stand out quite a bit. Um, I understand what, what, um, what it's like to feel threatened. I'll say that. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of groups and a lot of people feel that that push and pull, this this being threatened. But um, for me, that feeling of threat, whereas when I've experienced some very strong experiences of uh, uh, or circumstances that are very like a lot of things that have happened in the last year, in the last week, when I was younger or when I was less trained in my work, those experiences were far larger. And that threat that I felt was, um, it was larger, even though I think things were much, much safer then. And now things are very volatile. And I recognize the natural threat 
that exists anytime I get behind the wheel of my car or when I leave my house, or even if I don't, right? even if I'm just in my house breathing, I know that there's a natural risk involved in being in this vehicle that a lot of people don't uh, have to deal with. Um, but I think that's different for everyone. And part of the problem is, is that we've forgotten how to relate. Right? Relationships are about relating. So this threat that I feel, I think men try, if smart men, or maybe um, enlightened men try to discover what it's like to be a woman and in every situation, maybe feel like I'm smaller, I'm less powerful. So what makes that feeling for me any different than that? There are things that we can do collectively, I think, to create uh, ease and a greater flow uh, and a greater connectivity for all of us. But that's a really big uh, fish to fry. It's not that you're not aware. You don't you feel it yourself at moments, but you can control one thing and that's you. And the more informed you are and the more you understand every situation and be present the greater ability you're going to have to be able to move through the world. I, I think you sound like you've learned something in our time together. That's exactly what I think I'm saying. Yes. Okay. So moving a little bit and not a huge shift, because I think that I think is very true about you, mind, body, soul, all things. Um, your body is a vessel. I feel like you take really good care of yourself from what you eat to um, yoga, to working out, you know, what tips can you give to just an average person that, because I think you're probably above average in the, the way that you eat and the way that you think about your, your body as a vessel. What do I want? Right. So I really want this great body. I really want to just be healthy. I want to be strong enough to lift my grandkids, you know, whatever it is that I want, once I know what I want. So once you know what you want, you are re- then the ball's already rolling. So one, know what you want Two. Once you know what you want, then there's a wealth of information that'll tell you exactly how to get it. There are a couple of things that I think are important when it comes to health. One, eating good foods. And here's how you know what foods are good. There are foods that will inflame your body, and there are foods that will not inflame your body. Stay away from the foods that will inflame your body. Second, posture. We sit a lot in our culture, our chins are way forward because we're looking at screens and at phones and just generally because we sit so much that now we're now just becoming these like hunched over people. The yogic practice uses asana, what people think yoga is, or the movements really to perfect your posture. So for me, part of perfect health isn't necessarily about your body fat percentage. If you can breathe because your posture is great, then you're doing better than that person that may even have muscles, but that's struggling to just get efficient breath. So breath is power. So good posture really just creates a a great environment to be able to breathe well. When you can breathe well, then you can think clearly. And then there's this brief moment where the body's actually still, the bottom of the exhale, sometimes at the very top of the inhale. Those moments are the only time, or at least I think the most beneficial time, to get your brain to recognize or use a a point of reference to find its own stillness or its own quiet. So the slower you breathe, The more relaxed your breath is, the more relaxed your mind is. 
Yeah, and I was going to say also really important to health. One of the great places to start, so just to give people some general really good health tips, is intermittent fasting. Listen, breakfast is break fast. The body is designed to fast every day. Your body is designed and is intended to fast. Right. So if you do 12 hours on, do 12 hours off. If your kitchen's open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., which means your belly, not just your actual house kitchen, then give it 12 hours to rest. If you want to start to lose weight in a really beautiful, efficient way, then you cut down the hours of your kitchen. 12 and 12 is a great place to start. Then you go to 10 and 14, 14 hours of the day, my kitchen's closed. 10 hours out of the day, I'm eating. I'll eat whatever I want. I can eat my same amount of calories that I would eat grazing throughout the day. I'm going to compress that into 10 hours. I really want to burn some fat. Then I drop that into eight hours. And then 16 hours a day, my belly's closed. What science is starting to show is in those extended hours of the belly going without food, it begins to do a lot of beautiful, wonderful things for your health. Intermittent fasting, lots of videos out there about it. It's not that hard to start, and it does tremendous things for your health, for your mind, and for your body. So I hope that that covers a gamut of a few different physical things that people can do to set themselves up to have a clear mind and to be more present and to stress or suffer less day to day in their physical life. You think one of the most important things is having a vision. Um, and I think that as a, a life coach, it's one of the things that we did was to go through the seven, I think it was seven parts of it was eight. eight. Oh, look, now I'm really in trouble, Aaron. And kind of write down like where you're at, what your goals are, and put dates specifically beside them to work for. So do you do, you know, that vision for yourself? And, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask people, and I saved it for the end for you, is, you know, what is your why and your purpose? But I think that a lot of what you've said throughout this is answering that in general. So one, you know, the vision and then what, what does your why look like? Um, I do do for myself. I redo that either every year or depending on what I've done on my last plan every 18 months, or sometimes I'll take a plan and it'll last me for about two years. But yes, I keep a, an actual plan. One, two, I'm aware of my vision at all times. So from uh, an energetic and just kind of a movement in life perspective, I know what I'm after. I know what I want. So those things are inspiring my thoughts. They're inspiring my um, behaviors. And most especially, when life deviates from my movement toward that, or what I think is my movement away from that, those things keep me focused. You know, when you're really, really, really busy, when you have 18 things on your to-do list and you got uh, time to do 12 of those, and somebody comes up to you and they go, hey, and they, they got drama, they got trouble. And typically, if you had three things on your list, you might take 20 or 30 minutes and then become involved in that. And then your energy is a part of that. But when you got those 18 things to do and you got 12 time, you got the time to do 12, you go, listen, I don't have time for that. Sorry. You instantly cut out a lot of the crap because you know what you're after. You know what you have to get done. So having a vision is really um, the same thing as having the carrot in front of the donkey. It keeps you moving forward, right? That's what keeps us not distracted. And, you know, right? So uh, freedom comes for me primarily through control of your attention and using that attention to stay focused on your vision. So 
create a vision for yourself. Even if it's just for today, what are you going to accomplish today? And notice how much more energy that gives you, how much more drive, how much you automatically prioritize and start to cut out the things that don't matter because you know where you're going. Right now in our country and in the world, your attention is the highest costing commodity that there is. It's the highest priced commodity. Your attention on social media, on your phone, it doesn't matter where it is. Your attention is what other people want from you. If you can control that, then you're in much greater position in life. Well, I feel like I I learned, I feel like every time I talk to you, I learn more and more and I feel like I want to go back and take notes. But I definitely want to give a shout out. I, I Go to yoga at Dharma House. Not as much as I should, Aaron, you know, and I will I will be showing up very, very soon. But what else do you have? You know, we'll obviously link to the podcast. What else do you have going on that people, if they're in this area, could jump into? Well, I think what I'm most excited about, it doesn't matter what you, where you are, is my permanent stress relief course. It's five sessions of working through a lot of what we're talking about. I've covered just generally a lot of the topics that we talk about in relationship to relieving yourself of stress. It's remote, it's online, and it's virtual. So whether you are in LA, hit, hit, or right here in Cal- or California, right here in Ohio, Well, I love that. And I appreciate so much the time that you gave us today. Um, I, I definitely learned so much as I always do. And I will connect with you some more just to make sure that everybody knows how to find. Sure. Thank you for inviting me and for being open. Carrie, what you got? Um, yeah, thank you, Aaron. I, I just went to church. It's 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 amazing. I'm gonna have to listen to the whole thing through again. Um, <laughs> uh, you're such a unique individual, and I I love listening to it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much to Aaron King for being with us here today on the podcast. You can find him at dharmahousecolumbus.com. Go ahead and check out the website and sign up for a yoga class if you're ready to get back into the studio post pandemic. Kelly and I are also really excited to say that we're highlighted on the front page of the Newark Advocate newspaper, which is our hometown local newspaper. And they are highlighting the interview we did with Tammy Lonenberger last week. I will add a link in our show notes if you'd like to look at that interview. Thanks so much to Asa Watkins for post-production. And if you would honor us with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps other people find us. And have a wonderful holiday weekend. Thanks for tuning in to Greener Grass, a podcast.